Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week in middle school, we continue our series called Atomic, where we are focusing on spiritual practices. In Mark 16, Jesus gave his disciples the great commission to go and share the gospel with others. If we want to live the life we are called to, we have to be intentional about sharing the same story in our lives. We hope you enjoy the message. So good. Man, it's, it's, uh, it's always good to be back on Sundays and worship with you guys. I, I think we forget. Uh, and maybe some of you in here, maybe you haven't been with us ever before. Maybe you're brand new. We're really excited to see you. And please come up and introduce yourself. Uh, or maybe you just haven't been with us since before Christmas. And uh, I hope that you guys are glad to be back. I, just, I do just want to lean in like to what we were singing about and what uh, Bella was leading us in, that time of, of confession, a time of, time of prayer. Um, I, I know that in this room, there's a few of you who, who are, are struggling with the weight of your own sin. And maybe there's a lot of shame around it. Maybe there's a lot of guilt around it. Uh, maybe there's a lot of hiding that goes into that. And you don't want anybody to find out. You hope it's something you never have to tell anybody. You hope it's something that at some point just goes away. Wherever you are on your, your, your journey or your, your struggle, wherever you are in your fight against sin, let me just like emphasize more that, that there is forgiveness for it. That there is grace that is, is weightier and more powerful than your, your guilt and your shame. And that it is found in Jesus. And that no matter how bad you think you are, that his goodness trumps your badness. And that that's the reason that, that he died on the cross, so that you and I wouldn't have to carry that weight. When I was in middle school, I started carrying some really serious weight. Things going on in my family, things going on just with me, things going on in my mind, things that I was doing. And I, I started carrying it all on my shoulders. And it wasn't for another few years before I truly realized and started to walk in the freedom that Jesus offered. And I, and I became a Christian when I was in middle school. But, it, but it, wasn't, it wasn't just an, over, an, an overnight thing. It was a journey of realizing, no, Jesus really did die on the cross for that specific sin that you struggle with. So, man, maybe that, that prayer or something like it is something that you need to go back to uh, on, a, on a more regular basis, confessing our sins, asking for forgiveness because our God is good and he's already given us forgiveness at the cross. And he wants to remind you of that and wash that forgiveness over you and take that weight off of you. And man, that's a, that's a really, really good feeling. So today we are not uh, talking about sin and forgiveness, but I, I just felt like, man, there's, there's got to be somebody in this room who's, who's struggling with that, wrestling with that. And uh, so this morning, though, we are going to uh, look and continue in our Atomic series. This is a series on spiritual practices, uh, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. And one of those things is confession that we just did. So maybe this is a part of what we're talking about. Uh, but you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Uh, again, I want to encourage you guys to bring your paper Bibles if you got paper Bibles. If you do have it on your phone, that's okay. Uh, but here's what I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it up front, and hopefully maybe once is all I need to say it. But I know that some of you are easily distracted. If you're like me, you are easily distracted by the things on your phone, right? And so if the phone is going to be more of a distraction than a help when it comes to reading uh, your Bible in here and following along or just taking notes or whatever, then, man, go ahead and put that thing in your pocket and try to silence it as best you can or even turn it off. It's only about like 20-some minutes that we're in here during the message and then another uh, 15 or so during musical worship. And so if you get into a habit of like, hey, I don't want to be distracted. I'm only here for like 45 minutes uh, in the service and then some more time in small groups. Um, I, I think you guys would get so much more out of Sunday morning. So Mark chapter 16, before we get there, 
Have you ever found yourself going into autopilot mode, okay? Autopilot mode. Like if you guys, anybody have a Tesla? Does your family have a Tesla in here, right? Uh, man, really? Because I was hoping that one of you would drive me around in it. But uh, so in, in Tesla's, these cars, right, these electric cars, and in a lot of other cars, but Tesla, I feel like, is the, the most well-known maybe for this, this feature. But you, they're starting to more and more, you're, you're able to just say, hey, car, go here, and then you press a button, and then you just can take a nap, right? Like, that's, is that the world we live in? Uh, no, not, maybe not quite, but I do know people who would get on the interstate and do that and take a nap, which is kind of scary. Um, but you, don't do that. But the point is, autopilot, it, it just goes. Like whether you're thinking about it or not, whether you're paying too much attention to it or not, it goes. The same thing happens when you fly on a plane, realize it or not, right? They, they get up, take off is where the pilots are super involved, uh, touching down or, or coming down out of the, out of the clouds uh, to the ground is where the pilots are really involved. But for a lot of it, as I understand it, it's a lot of just autopilot. Like, you get to set it in the direction it's going, and then you let it do its thing. Kind of scary, right? Never get on a plane again. Maybe that's a good option. Um, But sometimes in our lives, we get on autopilot mode, right? So maybe you can relate to this example of autopilot mode from uh, somebody that I think you're going to be familiar with. So watch this little video. And they both failed the test. So here's the classic autopilot mode, which I found myself caught in more than one time. Uh, I've been at the movie theaters. They give me my tickets. Hey, enjoy your movie. You too. Oh, you're not going to see the movie. You're the one giving the tickets to all the movies, right? Or uh, maybe your mom tells you in the morning, hey, honey, hope you have a great day at school. You too, mom. Wait, what? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been caught in that. I find myself getting caught in the U2 autopilot more than I realize, where you're just, you're thinking about something that's, that's happening that's not really the words that are coming out of your mouth, and you just say, you just give a little U2. Now, admittedly, this can get a lot worse than U2, right? You're not thinking about what's going on, and all of a sudden you say something that you regret for the rest of your life. That's happened uh, to me as, as well, and maybe that's happened to you. Autopilot mode can happen in a lot of different areas of our life. And it can even happen in our faith, where really autopilot, it's, it's this, it's a lack of intentionality. Getting into autopilot mode is a lack of intentionality. And so before you know it, days or weeks or months or even years can go by where you've just kind of been in autopilot mode. And maybe on a big picture scale, that just looks like you're just doing what you need to get by. You're just doing what you need to get through the day. You're just doing what you need to make sure that you get good enough grades in class, but maybe not the best. Autopilot mode is just a lack of intentionality. And before you know it, you end up in the position where you are, where you're like, well, my grades aren't great, and I'm not really sure what I can do about them, because you've been on autopilot mode for the entire year. Or, man, I'd like to try out for the high school team next year, but I'm not really great on my middle school team, and I'm not really sure that I'm going to make it because you've just been doing what you need to get by, been on autopilot mode, haven't been intentional about really working on whatever your sport is. Or, or maybe it's in your faith. And when we are talking about spiritual disciplines and habits and practices, whatever words you want to use for this, you're like, man, I wish that my faith was there, but I, I've been a Christian since I was like six, 
And I can't say that I've grown in my faith or grown spiritually since I was six. And so you're looking at, at the outlook and you're like, I don't, I don't really know if any of this stuff's going to work. But if you look back and, and you go back on your life, you realize maybe that you've just been in autopilot mode. Like, yeah, there, there was a lot of excitement. There's a lot of rah-rah. And, and maybe it wasn't when you were six. Maybe it was like last year or two years ago and you got baptized and, 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 and everybody knows now that you've trusted in Jesus. But you've just kind of done the, the Christian thing, the, more like the Western or American Christian thing of just going to church and making sure that you're in the right groups and making sure that you say the right things and don't say the wrong things. And at least a couple of times throughout the month, you want to make sure you're reading your Bible. But if you're honest with yourself, you've been in autopilot mode and you've been maybe unintentional about what your relationship with God looks like. So the opposite of being unintentional or being in autopilot mode would be to live life with some intentionality. In fact, that's one of my family's big words this year. We had a really big decision that came up for us in the fall. And we were like, hey, if, if this means what we think it means, like whether we say, if we say yes, then this, it means that we're going to, I mean, I'll just tell you guys, it was a decision to, to move and go do something different. Not many people know this, but I guess I'm just telling everybody. It was, it was an opportunity for my family to, to move. And, and we felt like, hey, maybe God could be calling us here, but if he's, if he's not, if he's calling us to stay, then we want to be intentional. And so long story short, we stayed. You can feel free to ask me whatever questions you want about that. But we, we stayed, and we just felt like that means we need to be in t- more intentional with our family, both me and my wife and my boys, but also with my parents who are in town and her parents who are close by. But we want to be more intentional with our neighbors and building relationships with them. We want to be intentional with our, our, our Fellowship Greenville community, our church family. We want to be uh, intentional with all areas of our life. That's one of our big words for, uh, for our family right now, not just for the year, but hopefully for many years to come. Because when you are intentional with whatever it is, your faith or, or a sport or a hobby or whatever it might be, a, a year from now, a year of intentionality is going to bring you far further in that thing than a year of autopilot. You understand that? And so maybe the reason that you're really struggling with your faith right now is because you've been on autopilot. You've just been cruising through, just getting by. But what would happen if you and I started to be far more intentional? That's what, that's the, that's the life that God's called us to. He hasn't called us to just have a life where we cruise until death and then one day we get to spend time with Jesus in, in heaven. But he's called us to a life of purpose and intentionality right here. And one of the ways he does that is actually shown for us in Mark chapter 16. If you look in Mark chapter 16, Verses 9 through 15, this is Jesus right after his death and resurrection. He's risen from the grave and he's starting to reveal himself to people. People are starting to find out this man is not dead. In fact, he's more alive now. And in verse 9, we see that he appears to a couple of ladies. It says, now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. That's a crazy story. You should read about it sometime. Uh, She went, verse 10, and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, uh, they would not believe it. So here's these women. They're trying to tell people about it, and they're like, "Mm, I'm not really sure. I believe that. Next instance where basically that same thing happens. After these things, verse 12, he appeared in another form to to two of them, to two of his disciples, as they were walking into the country. And they went back and they told the rest, but they did not believe them. So another instance where Jesus appears to a couple people and they don't 
they, they try to go and they try to tell others about it, but they're like, nope, I don't believe. Like we thought Downing Thomas was the only one who's doubting, but maybe there were a few more who said, I won't believe it until I see it. And then verse 14 says, afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table to all the disciples that were currently there. And Jesus rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. He's like, well, like I've been telling you guys about this. this I've told you that I would die, that three days later that I would rise again. What are you doing? Why are you not believing? And then verse 15, this is where he pushes into them and says, hey, you're supposed to go do the same thing that these people were doing. Even though you wouldn't believe, they kept telling you. He says in verse 15, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So Jesus is back. He's appearing to people. They're like, hey, we got to tell people about it. They tell people they don't believe. He appears to more people. They go and they tell some of those same people they don't believe. And then finally he appears to all of them. And in, in some ways, this is like an example of maybe what they would experience for the rest of their lives because here's the charge that he gives to them. It's oftentimes called the Great Commission. We can read about it right here in Mark 16. You can also read about it at the end of the book of Matthew. But he says, go into all the world and tell them the gospel. Tell the gospel to the whole creation. What these people were starting to do, at least in little bits and pieces, you're supposed to now go and do yourself. But here's a question. So this is not just for the disciples, but this is actually for us. This is for any disciples who would come later, which includes those of us in here who've trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. What is the gospel? Okay, Jesus, I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to share this thing with the world in my actions, in my words, in in all the ways that I go about life. Maybe you've never really asked the question, what is the gospel? And if you have, here's what I would guess that you have landed on. Oh, well, it's, it's the good news, right? Because gospel means good news. Well, well, the good news about what? And maybe if you, you kept tracking and this was like a test and we we're like, hey, no, 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 you got to give us a little more than that. You got to at least write a paragraph. You would say, well, it's the gospel is Jesus. It's he was born and that's why he celebrated Christmas. And then he lived this incredible life, a perfect life. He did all these miracles and he taught all these incredible things. And then at some point, people wrongly accused him and killed him on a cross. But that wasn't in the story because him being on the cross, he was, he was taking away the sins of the world. He was taking the sins of the world upon himself. And when he died, he was in the grave, but he wasn't in the grave long. It was only for three days when he rose again, proving his, his defeat of sin and death. And then he started appearing to all these people. And now we're charged to go tell people the gospel about Jesus. And in a nutshell, man, that, that's really good. I think that that's definitely a huge part of the, the good news. That's a huge part of the gospel. But I don't know that that's the whole story. Because there's parts in there that's like, wait, so why do we need Jesus? And why can it only be Jesus? Like, why, why can't there be, there, there's got to be more to the story, right? And that's where I would say, yes, I think the gospel is all the incredible things about Jesus. But it's also why we needed Jesus to begin with. And it's like, where did this whole thing start in the very, very beginning of all of time and history? And it's also where we're going. Like, because now Jesus isn't the end and we're not the end, but there's something else that we're looking forward to. I think that the whole story of the gospel, the whole story that Jesus is, is pushing his disciples and calling us as his disciples today to share is the story that God has been unfolding throughout all of history. 
And if you want to get all the nitty-gritty details, I'm about to give the flyover view of what this story is. We did the whole, that whole Heaven and Earth series and got into some of the nitty-gritty details from creation uh, to new creation. And so if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. But here, I think in four words, if you are, are feeling like, man, I just want to, I want to share with people what I believe. I mean, this is what we're, we're called to do. We're called to share the gospel. We're called to share the good news. We're called to share about this story that God has been unfolding throughout all of history. You want to talk about some intentionality. That takes intentionality. And so four words that I think you could kind of sum up all of what God has been doing. And I know four words sounds really little, but I, but I think you guys can do it. And I think you can do it in a really short amount of time. So let me go ahead and show you those four words. Here's the big story of what God's been doing. First creation, how did it all begin? And if you think about it, this is what like all good stories have. They all have these four things, if you think about it. Some of your favorite movies, some of your favorite books, some of your favorite just maybe even videos on YouTube. They have something like this. It's creation. Where did it all begin? And for us, that would be in the garden, right? God created everything and it was very, or it was good. He created humans and they were very good. People created in his image to be in relationship with God. The idea was that humans would reign with God and and, and that they would be beside him and all they would do, they had relationship with him and it was just that in the very beginning. Remember, heaven and earth together. But the story doesn't end there. The second word is fall. That at some point, as great as humans had it, as great as Adam and Eve had it, they were tempted and they decided, hey, maybe it's better if we try to be our own God. And so the enemy twisted God's words, made Adam and Eve question God's authority, and eventually said, hey, what if you just decided to make your own decision and become your own God? Just follow your own way, make your own path, do your own thing. And Adam and Eve said yes to that. And now for the rest of, uh, the, the rest of time until Jesus returns, men and women are born into sin. We're born wanting to go our own way from the very beginning. This is the fall. So what do we do? How do we take care of that sin? How, how does God save us? How does he rescue us? How does he take us back to where he originally intended us to be? That's redemption. That's Jesus. That's the story that his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, that's what we were just talking about. Jesus is the way where all of those things can be put back together or begin being put back together. But we said there's got to be something after Jesus too, right? It doesn't just end with him and it doesn't end with us. And that's the new creation that, hey, just how God wanted things in the very beginning, that one day all those things will be just that. That heaven and earth will be together, that everything wrong will be made right, that everything sad will be made happy. That is new creation and that is where we are all headed. And in a nutshell... I wonder how you might be able to share that with friends. It's not knowing, uh, yeah, so um, Moses, when he did that thing, and, and oh, yeah, Noah and the flood, let me tell you all the reasons why God killed all the people, right? Like, it's not, you don't have to know all the ins and outs of Scripture, and I think that's where some of us get hung up when we talk about sharing what we believe about God. But can you share the big picture story? And then, can you share how that story is unfolded in your life? So big picture story, and then can you make it personal? When it comes to sharing the gospel, I think it's just this easy. Give the big picture story of what God's doing and show how he's now revealed to you that your story fits into that. So get this, we all have those four things in our lives as well. 
And I think that sometimes maybe the most powerful way for us to share about who God is and what he's done in our lives is to use some sort of story just like that. You have a beginning. You, you have where you're from and what your family's like and what you grew up believing. You also have a fall. What were the things that kept you from believing in God? What were the sin struggles you had? Or, or what was the, the misbelief that you had about who God was? I know for me it was, I thought God was controlling and that he was angry. But if you've trusted in Jesus, then at some point you've encountered, you've experienced redemption. Where, where Jesus came in and took what I thought about God being angry and God being controlling and flipped it on his head and said, no, he's actually the kindest, most loving being that there is. And he, yeah, like he, he does have full control, but ultimately it's for your freedom. It's the opposite of what I thought God was about. And then new creation that, hey, he's made you a new creation. Here on the earth, that he's, he's making you a more patient person, making you a more loving person, bringing you to a place where you can have forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness towards others. And eventually he's going to take you and you get to be a part of the new creation. We all have these four parts of our story in it. Would you be able to tell somebody yours? That's actually going to be part of what small groups are going to be today. And maybe you spend the whole time on it. Maybe you answer a few questions and then you uh, spend some time on it. But I'm actually going to challenge and encourage you guys. If Jesus is calling us to share the gospel, and if the gospel is, yes, all the things about Jesus, but also it's, it's this bigger story of but why Jesus and what happened at the beginning and where are we going, if it's those, those four words, creation, fall, redemption, new creation, and if there's, there's a part of our story, if our story fits into that somehow, then how does that work? I want us to think well about what that looks like. So you're each going to have pieces of paper, and you're going to have pens, and you could just write these four words down and maybe just bullet point out, hey, how does my story fit into that? You don't have to write pages and pages, although some of you will want to, and some of you may already have. But I just want to get you thinking about how does your story fit into the bigger story of what God is doing all throughout history. And then I want you to think about, what would happen if you shared that story with somebody else? Maybe for the first time? Maybe for the first time in a long time? Maybe through some like, uh, uh, right, some, some hesitancy, some messing up of words. But if this is something that God has called us to be intentional about, then I want us to be people who are asking and aware, hey God, where, where is it that you want me to share my story today? Who is it that you want me to tell? Who is it that's going through a rough time and needs to hear a story of hope? Because that's what you've given us. That's what you're doing throughout all of history. And we want to be obedient followers. We want to do the things that you've called us to do. <clears throat> so if you guys have any questions about what that looks like, feel free to, to grab me and pull me into your group at some point. Uh, Tony... And other groups that meet in here, you guys have a basket over here with pens and paper. Uh, all the other groups, you guys have it in your, in your room. So, sound good? All right. I love you. Let me pray for us real quick, and then you can go. God, help us to think well about our story. And for those of us who, who don't, we haven't yet encountered you. I know that there's some of us in here. Maybe it's a time for us to be real and honest with ourselves and say, hey, maybe we haven't just been on autopilot with our faith, but maybe... Maybe we've just been on autopilot with this church thing and we don't have much of a faith at all. Help us to be honest. Give us a clear view of where we are. Help us to see your big story and how our story fits into it. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.